Today's bonus episode of Star Talk Radio is presented exclusively by Audible. Audible offers an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazines, and newspaper publishers, as well as business information providers. And Audible has the newest book from today's guest, Andy Weir. Listen to Artemis, read by Rosario Dawson today. New subscribers can join Audible for free for 30 days. Go to audible.com slash startalk to get started. That's audible.com slash startalk for your free 30-day trial. Welcome to StarTalk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. StarTalk begins right now. This is Star Talk. Today, in this bonus episode, you'll hear my extended interview with author Andy Weir. Let's get right to it. So, Andy, you couldn't leave it alone. I just couldn't. <laughs> you just had to keep doing this. Just kept, it, I, I'm, It's a sickness. <laughs> putting a dude on Mars yep. was not enough. Insufficient. <laughs> Insufficient. I'm putting a city on the moon. Having a movie about the book was not <laughs> enough. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it was a good start. <laughs> you just... Had to keep going. <laughs> Got it. That's, that's my whole job. Well, that original book was sort of battle-tested because it was written in parcels, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And, and, you know, and the internet would re- react, and you'd react back. So, But this one, n- not so much. No, this, is a, this was a traditional uh, contract with Random House, and so mm-hmm. I didn't get to post it a chapter at a time like I did for The Merchant because when a... So you don't a, have everyone's buy-in in advance. I don't. I don't, yeah. yeah. When uh, when a publisher gives you a big pile of money to write a book, they don't like it when you post it for free. So <laughs> so they, they prefer that you don't do that. I see. Uh, so, I see. yeah, I was on my own this time. Uh-huh. Uh, so did anyone tell you, like, there's no air on the moon? Did, did they tell you this um, in advance? Uh, it's a really you know, hostile place. Did that um, more hostile than Mars? No, it didn't. Uh, didn't come up. I, no, no one told you. I should probably. I need to make some edits. Maybe is it too late? <laughs> the book comes out tomorrow, as of the time that we're uh, taping this. But uh uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, of course, I'm a space dork. Uh, not that I have to tell you that. Mm-hmm. And uh, people you know, wear space dork titles with pride. In yes, this office. Absolutely. This I, is a space I, dork safe space. A space dork. <laughs> a safe space dork space. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, um, yeah, and uh, so, of course, the moon's always been as, as fascinating to me as Mars. Mm-hmm. So this required an entire other layer of thinking to make existence on the moon real. Well, yeah, I mean, so this time it wasn't just like a flags and footprints mission like the Martian was. I wanted to make um, a story about humanity's first non-Earth city. And so the first thing I had to figure out was why would anybody build a city somewhere other than Earth? I needed mm-hmm. an economic reason for that to happen. Mm-hmm. So let's start there. Okay. Why? Tourism. <laughs> Tourism. Very good. Okay. Very and, good. I'll uh, go. But it's, uh, I mean, yeah. I would save, I, I did my own personal math on this. Mm-hmm. I would save five years, maybe 10 years of vacation money to spend on one vacation on the moon. Oh, is that that's your that's your that, threshold? That's my sort of equation there. Well, um, I did. If a, you can't get it that cheap, just forget it. Oh, well, yeah. okay then. <laughs> well, um, I did. Uh, I did my own math um, mm-hmm. on um, on what I think the the commercial space industry might get to in terms of efficiency. By when? Uh, well, uh, Artemis takes place in the twenty eighties. Twenty eighties. Okay, um, uh, so that's but, like 
almost in reach. Almost in reach. Probably, probably I won't see it. But probably. people alive today will. Oh, uh, yeah, some and people And you might alive. see it if we do a little, you know, genetic thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. CRISPR, yeah. Yeah. Just, <laughs> um, well, here's the aging gene. Yeah, let's just yeah, let's, swap that let's out. Well, I don't, know, don't know why we didn't do that earlier. <laughs> um, no, uh, it, it's based on the presumption that the commercial space industry would become as efficient in terms of fuel-to-overhead ratio as the commercial airline industry. And I wrote a whole article on that, which is actually um, coming out in uh, Business Insider. Yeah, and I wrote this whole kind of, you know, very amateurish economic analysis, but, you know, I'm not getting investors, I'm just writing fiction, so it just has to make enough sense for that. What is the cost to send a person to the moon in your 2080 Uh, Well, if you wanted to go to the moon for two weeks, which includes a week travel time there and a week travel time back. A week? Yep. It's three days. What are you talking Uh, about? Well, if you go the Apollo route, but if you use a lunar cycler. Oh, okay. So this will save energy. A lot. Oh. So your lunar cycler. The Apollo is just, let's go straight there. Let's go straight there. Yeah. 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 Uh, But the lunar cycler, I use the Uphoff Crouch uh, cycler that those guys uh, defined, I want to say in the 80s. Those guys? Uphoff and Crouch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh, I was, I, I was. So these really weren't excited. just syllables spilling out yeah, of your mouth. Yeah, these, these aren't just the random names noises. of two people. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. they're they're the names of two people. <laughs> Unfortunately, I've forgotten their first names, so uh-huh. I can't give them fully the the credit they deserve. But um, uh, it's a paper I found that describes a lunar cycler. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, grand total, you would spend about seventy thousand dollars in twenty fifteen dollars to be able to go to the moon. So for you two could weeks. easily. If you wanted to create a lottery that you can send people all the time. Sure. Or um, I think a lot of people would get a second mortgage on their home to be able to spend two weeks on the moon. Right. Everyone's home is worth more than $70,000 now. So you mm-hmm. could easily pull that out of the value of your house. Possibly. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Or there could be financing. Not everyone's, I don't know. But, I mean, but it's not, yeah, it's not like, Most people who own homes, their homes are worth more than $70,000. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's not like, it's not like going to France. It's it's considerably more expensive, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. And these are all in $2015, by the way, because that's when I did all the economic stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the money part. Mm-hmm. All right, and how about the, the food part? How did you solve that? Well, um, of course... First, let me say in advance, I was at one of your I launches <laughs> at Comic-Con New York, and they had that. this green powder... <laughs> That was offered me. They said, oh, this is what Andy invented for his book. I said, isn't his book fiction? (laughs) They said, yeah, but this is real. Isn't his book fiction? (laughs) So it was some kind of powdered algae. And just to show you how much I love you and how much I trust you, I ate it. Yeah, I saw that. Okay. I saw the Just, video. It was real. It was yeah. real. I said, "All right, Andy, he doesn't want me dead." Uh, <laughs> so, right. Yeah. I don't think yet. It's uh, <laughs> it's the name of the algae is chlorella, mm-hmm. uh, not to be confused with cholera. You don't want to you don't want to eat cholera. Chlorella. That sounds yeah. like a hair chlorella. hair color. Chlorella uh, yeah, hair color. Yes. Chlorella. It sounds like a brand. Yes. 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 Um, it's chlorella, uh, and the reason they manufacture was it actively alive when I ate it? No, it was way dead by the time you way ate dead. It. Not just yeah, dead, it was but... a powder. It was dead. Okay. Yeah. No, it's not, it, it it lives in it lives in the ocean. 
it lives in completely surrounded by water. Okay. And the way you guys ate it is actually, I watched, I watched you and LeVar Burton <laughs> eating yeah. it. That yeah. was awesome. Both of us were on location <laughs> You're for both this like, event. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, uh, the way people in Artemis eat it is they add a little bit of water, so it's more like an oatmeal. Your people didn't tell me this. Yes, they did not. I looked at it and I said, who eats powder? Yeah. Surely there's some water you would have to add to yeah. this. Well, oh, the, this is how they did it on the moon. Right. So I said, oh, let me play along. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, also they add flavorant. The idea is that, so uh, chlorella algae, algae in general, of course, it reproduces by with doubling times. So you can, in a fairly small volume, grow a lot of calories of food as long as you've got the energy. And the energy is not a problem. Artemis has reactors. You're good. But um, Wouldn't the, all life have doubling <clears throat> times? Uh, that's true. That's if, true. If but you have you, an open ecosystem yes, for it, yeah. Yes, but the mm-hmm. uh, doubling time of wheat <laughs> is a little slower than you'd like, uh, is, and uh, it takes a lot of like mm-hmm. surface area and volume to grow. Um, so that's what kind of the poor people eat. That plus, the algae. Yeah, the algae. That plus flavorants, like artificial flavors that you import from Earth, which are fairly mm-hmm. cheap because they, it doesn't weigh a lot to bring like a, a thing of extract up. Um, if you're rich, it's like just, vanilla extract in, at home. Right, it's, it's in your cabinet for years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you need like three drops to make a batch of cookies. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, um, but then uh, if you're a little wealthier, or if you're poor but want to go out for a good meal, then you eat food that's been imported from Earth. Oh, and that's okay. good old fashioned food. Although, of course, it so this it's not going to be fresh. This it, reminds me of uh, the early days when transportation, international transportation, was expensive. Because uh, we're old enough to remember a time when if you had something imported, uh-huh. you would tell people that. This is my imported. Yes, yes this is imported Im- cheese. Import- <laughs> this is Jeez. imported wine. This, this is, is rich, this- real Corinthian leather. <laughs> Corinthian. So, <laughs> so it was imported. That was a, a mark of uh, exclusivity. Now so much goods and services, goods are transported across the ocean. Uh-huh. Uh, it's not a. It's not a... A point of pride anymore. It just is. It just is. And uh, in terms of expense, it's, I mean... Well, in fact, I remember in grocery stores, there'd be the imported section. Oh, yes. Right, right. This is where you get imported goods. And you go there for that. For the goods. Right, right. (laughs) Now Uh it's like, what is it? Um, I forget forget what it is. It's like something like uh, they'll they'll go lobster fishing in the ocean, like off the East Coast... They'll go lobster fishing. They'll send the lobsters to China for processing, and then they'll have them sent back because that's cheaper than doing the processing yes. here. It's insane <laughs> how cheap it is. Yeah, to just ship the economics around. of it. Yeah, determines uh, the the pathways. Not so much on the moon though. of consumption. <laughs> okay, so algae. So it's either algae, which you can grow just by sunlight. Right. The well, moon. they they don't use sunlight. They use artificial light. Everything is like super. They they have these algae vats that they. But where are they, they getting grow. energy? Uh, from nuclear reactors. Ultimately, the really? whole city is powered by two nuclear reactors. So this is helium three. Uh, no, not fusion reactors. Helium uh, three is on the, in the moon. Okay. Well, gold's in the ocean. Go get it. Oh, okay. All right, there you go. <laughs> yeah. well, this, this is, is just, well, right, my. It's twenty eighty. Yeah, that's true. Go figure it out. Go figure it out. Go figure it out. <laughs> so there. So, snap. Snap, snap, snap. Oh, just one snap. Not a Z snap. Not, okay. Um, yeah, no. Uh, I didn't uh, want to invent any brand new technology for the story. Everything's based on existing technology. Mm-hmm. And so the reactors they have are good old-fashioned uh, fission reactors. Okay. Um, Where based, are you getting your uranium? Uh, you get that from Earth. But once again, not that, not that heavy. 
It's they are for what they for what it does. For what it uranium does. is actually very heavy. Well, yes, it's quite <laughs> dense. Yes, with all those ninety-two protons yes, going on. Yes. But um, but it's uh, but for uranium, by the way, named after the planet Uranus. It is. It yeah, is. Yeah. Ah, but what's neptunium named after? Hmm. Mm. And plutonium. Plutonium also plutonium. A plutonium isn't even named after a planet, right? <laughs> That's right. It, it got on there on false pretense. <laughs> yeah. Don't get me started. <laughs> uh, so, so, all right. So, is it just vacation? Who does anyone stay there permanently? Yes. Uh, uh, well, Artemis is internal economy. Artemis is the name oh. of the colony. Yeah. Uh, yes, the city. The yeah. city. Okay. Um, it's population. It's population is about 2000 people, Mm -hmm. not including tourists. And it's main income is tourism. Mm -hmm. It's about 40 kilometers from. And we know that's, that's a thing. That's a thing. Cities that do that today. Yes, absolutely. And like Roswell, New Mexico. Well, that's one (laughs) option or a Caribbean resort town (laughs) is another example. (laughs) And I based Artemis's economy kind of uh, the internal workings after like resort towns in the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. So you've got the really nice affluent areas for the tourists and then the, shall we say, more austere conditions where the The working class people sustain the the enterprise. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And those are the people, those are like immigrants. It's, it's similar to like America in the early 1800s where, Hey, if you can, if you can get here, you can, you're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome to make a life here. Mm -hmm. If you can just, if you can get here. So how does a poor person get to the moon if it takes $70,000? Well, that's uh, if you're going to emigrate to the moon. There's a worker immigrant stuff. program, I guess. No, there's no, there is not. <laughs> Guest uh, worker no, program. Nope, nothing like that. There's no, there's no policies even. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it's, it's kind of self-regulated by whether or not people can get there. Um, it's the same as an immigrant's tale, you know, back in the days of like the new world, which is where, okay, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a welder and I want to go work in Artemis. I so, want to so do that. So your family saves up the money for yeah, you to I'm go. I'm selling my house. I'm selling my shop. And, and you land with $10 in your pocket. Right. And then you make And then make I'm going to, yeah, and I'm going to start my shop here. One-way trip makes it a little cheaper, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, how are they breathing? Um, well, you know, you, your, your diaphragm goes down <laughs> and it expands your ribcage. No, uh, so the oxygen is actually, it, there are lots of ways of managing oxygen in an atmosphere, but the way things work out in Artemis is they have a thriving aluminum uh, smelting industry because they're constantly growing and they're constantly making aluminum. And they refine the aluminum from a mineral called anorthite, which is the most common mineral found on the moon. Uh, about 85% of the rocks in the lunar highland are just anorthite. You can just scoop them right up off the ground because there's no pesky dirt in the way. You don't have to mine. You just go get it. And anorthite is made of aluminum, silicon, calcium, and oxygen. And the amount of o- it's a- an enormous amount of oxygen. It's like Al2 and then blah, 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 O8. So it's oxygen is a waste product of making, right. of, of extracting aluminum from this molecule. Right from this mineral. From this mineral, okay. and uh, the moon is awesome. It's made of it's made of disassembled moon bases. Mm-hmm. It just some assembly required. Okay, it's it's made of <laughs> anorthite is aluminum to make your moon base and oxygen to fill it. Nice. And so now we got oxygen. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so we have food mm-hmm. imported or imported uh, or locally on grown. location with locally energy sourced uh, energy from cage nucle- free algae, <laughs> free range, algae. free range algae, and it's. I think that's just called you know. Algae. Algae. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and uh, so you've got, you've got food, imported or otherwise. You've got energy. Mm-hmm. You've got oxygen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, what is the governance? 
uh, the governance is practically nil. So it, um, in terms of societies, it's very similar to a frontier town in the 1800s kind of thing in, in the U.S. during the westward expansion. Um, there is like one lawman who works there. His name is Rudy. He's a former member of the RMCP, uh, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. But now, Which he, makes him polite. Uh, he's not that polite. <laughs> he's Canadian. Come he's on Canadian. Now. He's got that inherent. You can't make a mean Canadian. He's I, got the inherent. No one will. No one will read the book yes. if you have a mean Canadian. He, he has a no BS attitude. Let's say that. Okay. Um, and but for the most part, it's just um, social norms or how the rules are enforced. When you have a small society like that, it's a frontier. They don't have the resources to have like a large standing police force or a bunch of rules. Um, as they grow, they would almost certainly develop that. So in the series, the book in the series Walking Dead, mm. what has sustained it for so long is the thought the author and the producers have put into the interpersonal dynamics mm -hmm. that unfold in the presence of this threat. Of this complete collapse of society. Complete, complete collapse of society. Who's in charge of resources, who... As mm -hmm. distribution, who gets weird, mm -hmm. who gets power hungry, who gets submissive, and so uh, uh, do you explore this this um, human dynamic? Somewhat. I mean, basically, you're always going to have greed, right? You're always going to have um, people trying to work to their best advantage and and taking advantage of whatever weaknesses there are in the system, and Artemis, or of other people, or of other people, yeah. And in Artemis, the case is that since it's so unregulated, a you know something you might even call like a libertarian paradise, it comes with those disadvantages. In other words, there's the so our 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 heroine is hired to do industrial espionage because who's going to stop you? And um, also, uh, organized crime likes to use Artemis as a means of laundering money because Artemis has its own currency called slugs. Uh, which stands for soft landed grams, um, and and it's soft this, landed grams. Yes, okay. uh, it's it's a reserve currency in a way. What it but means it's a great, is slug is a great word anyway. Thanks. Right, yeah, right. Um, and um, so one slug can be redeemed for one gram of cargo transported from Earth to Artemis. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if you want to if you want to get a kilogram over from Earth, that'll cost exactly one thousand slugs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so on. And so, but they also end up using that as a currency. And because it's this really completely unregulated, largely untracked currency, organized crime loves to come in and use it to launder money. Wait, so if I build a ship, I basically have manufactured some of your currency. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you can transport yeah, goods. Yeah, that's right. Well, yes and no. And, that's, uh, and that, also actually, that's kind of fair because it increases the value of, hmm. you don't want to, print money if what it represents has not increased in value. Right. Well, think of it as being more like if you might, if you go back to uh, the days of the gold standard, if you pull some gold out of the ground, you have created money. In the day. Yeah. Way back <laughs> in the day. I still have a gold certificate. Oh, do you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What it said, now it says Federal Reserve Note. Yeah. In that slot it, it said say, silver certificate, gold yeah. certificate. I don't know if I can still cash it in, but... Uh, I think you can, actually, by oh, yeah? law. Oh, yeah? I can just go to Fort Knox and say, give me my... Well, but they'll give you what? What is it? A one dollar bill? Yeah, it's a one dollar. They'll give bill. you one dollar of today's money in gold. So yeah. there you go. Yeah, here you go. It's like flake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so, uh, so, how fast is this going to become a movie? 
Uh, well, I'd love it to become a movie right away. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, as a writer, I mean, your only job on a film is to cash the check. Mm-hmm. And um, I've already done that. So, However, however <clears throat> if your book is so popular, mm-hmm. then there's public pressure on how much latitude the filmmakers can take from them. Somewhat, like in the Harry Potter series. Yes, uh, I'm not you J.K. Co- you Rowling. Can't, you can't <laughs> mess with the characters but so much. E, that's true. Otherwise, people be all up in your business. They would be all up in the business. Right. But you've got to be, uh, I, I think you've got to be a bit bigger than I am to, to have that To have those, that muscle. To have that muscle. I think you've got to be J.K. Rowling or Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm quite a few steps Well, Stephen King now the, co-writes the, yeah, the, right. the screenplay. Right. So he's in it. He's in it. He's yeah. in it. Did they, but, did they, did they uh, uh, keep you out of that room? The screenplay uh, room? Well, they're still, they haven't even uh, made the screenplay Will they for, keep you out of the screenplay room? Uh, I don't know. Did I, they keep you out of the screenplay room for The Martian? No, actually. Okay. They, uh, they consulted me a lot pretty much every day. Drew Goddard, who wrote the marvelous screenplay mm-hmm. uh, for The Martian, was calling me and asking me stuff, usually technical questions. Good, good. Very good. So uh, who, remind me who, who produced The Martian? Uh, that was 20th Century Fox. Okay. It was produced by Simon Kinberg Productions mm-hmm. and Scott Free. And it, it's always a, an alphabet soup of, of companies, mm-hmm. but Fox, right? And they have now also bought the the same group has bought uh, the rights to Artemis. Okay. okay. And they have uh, the directing duo of uh, Chris Miller and Phil Lord lined up to direct. Mm-hmm. So the next step is they're going to get a... Right, you couldn't keep... Couldn't keep Ridley. Couldn't, Couldn't keep, Ridley. keep Ridley. I don't know. I don't oh, Ridley. Really? We're on a first name basis yeah, with him Ridley. now. That's a weird Ridley. thing about Hollywood, as I'm sure you've noticed, is that everybody's just talks calls everybody by their first name. Yeah, yeah. And it just seems weird. I, I mean, Matt Damon. They're like, yeah, yeah. Hi, Matt. You know, it's just like. <laughs> well, you need the Damon. <laughs> yeah. There's no Matt without a Damon. <laughs> you need the Matt Damon. I, I don't right, know. Right. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. Uh, so we've got Lord Miller lined up to direct, and uh, they are right now, I think, uh, picking a screenplay writer to do the adaptation. Okay, and again, forgive me for not having read the book before this interview. That's, oh. why, they, that's why my questions no, are I, so I see how blank. It is. Yeah. No, no, that's... Uh, but that's, but I'm, I'm deeply intrigued. That's not... That's not. That's very hurtful, Neil. It, no, 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 no. <laughs> you, you have the wrong attitude. It is... I'm the only honest person You're the only to tell you that person. in all of your interviews. You see? Literally no one else... <laughs> Like, I read your book. I loved it. So tell me about it. It takes place on the, where? The moon? Yeah. Uh, so a day lasts uh, a month on the moon. Correct. So how does that work in the, in the bio cycles of people? Well, um, Artemis doesn't get any natural light onto the inside except for one little part of it called Aldrin Park. It actually has Wait, a- so you're underground? Uh, no, they're in spheres, mm-hmm. uh, which they call bubbles, that are... Um, well, one of them's 100 meters across, and all the others are 200 meters across in diameter. They're spheres, and they're half underground, half above ground. This is a geometrically literate audience. So when you say it's a sphere 100 meters across, yeah, you don't have to say then in diameter. You in diameter. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to, I just same, need to same. draw the distinction just between <laughs> radius and diameter. You know, I just I don't want to be making I don't want to be. I got know, you. We're here. A false impression. We're here. So, so, then, so these these are hab domes. They're, basically, they're, they're well, mm-hmm. they're they're. They're, they're spheres. They're not domes. You know, a dome okay. is a hemisphere. All right. Uh, I mean, your 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 literate audience would would know this. Literate audience. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about the one sixth. I'm gravity. more of a writer, not a speaker. <laughs> yeah. Tell well, me about just, the one sixth gravity. Just to to finish up um, on the previous question, they're made of aluminum. 
they have uh, the hulls are six centimeters of aluminum followed by a full meter of crushed lunar rock followed by another six centimeters of aluminum. Oh, so this protects you from radiation. Radiation. Yeah. Um, so there's no sunlight getting to you. Everything's artificial and it's based on Kenya time. Uh, is what they do for the uh, their scheduling and time of day. Kenya. Kenya. Well, Kenya, Kenya as in Africa. Kenya as in Africa, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kenya is where the Kenya Space Corporation, which actually owns Artemis, is based. Mm-hmm. And that's where they do all their launches from. Uh, remind me of the, the Earth latitude of Kenya. Uh, latitude? Zero. Yeah, so very nice. Yes, that's, nice, that's part of it. Nice, nice pickings there. Kenya, Kenya had two things to offer the, uh, the global space community. when it, it, My fictional Kenya had two things to offer. Number one, the equator. The real Kenya would do that if it's actually on the equator. Yeah. Wouldn't have to be fictional for that. Wouldn't have to be fictional. But the other thing they did is uh, they set all of their policies to be as friendly as possible for uh, space travel. They said, we'll give you a launch license. You don't follow these stupid rules that the other countries make you follow. Um, We'll make special tax breaks for you. You don't, you can go ahead and bust unions. We don't care. I mean, this is not, this is not, you know, it's not kindergarten. It's like they did everything they could to to draw. They earned. The privilege. They 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 successfully drew in the global uh, space in- investment. Yeah, mm-hmm. not just investment, but actual you know companies relocated there. They so, maybe still be owned by Belgium consortiums or whatever else, but it's centered so, in Kenya. So being on the equator, you get the benefit of the high speed movement of the equator mm-hmm. in Earth rotation going into orbit, Earth yes. orbit. So the, these missions to the moon first go into Earth orbit and then they leave? Well, you have to first go into LEO and then you'll have to transfer low Earth orbit. Low Earth orbit. Mm-hmm. LEO. Uh, I thought we I agreed thought, that this I audience... I've never heard anyone say LEO before. LEO? Yeah. Really? LEO. Oh, okay. Leo. Leo, Leo, Geo. Okay. Mio. Leo, Geo, Mio. Yeah. Mm, Mio. <laughs> yeah, the middle Earth orbit. Oh, yeah. okay. Not middle the middle Earth, of the Earth. Yeah, middle yeah. Earth <laughs> orbit. So you're like orbiting Sauron. Right, right, exactly. That, okay, good. Exactly. Um, so um, you go into Leo, mm-hmm. and then you you'll take a transfer. You need to catch up with the lunar cycler. There, there you go. Yeah, okay. mm-hmm. um, because. Lunar cyclers are uh, the the cycler just goes back and forth between. It's actually way more complicated, but um, ultimately it comes near Earth and near the Moon at regular intervals, and you do have to accelerate the people to catch up with the cycler. Mm-hmm. But you at least you don't need to accelerate the cycler anymore. So you can have this big, comfortable, basically space hotel that only ever needed to be put in that orbit once. Mm-hmm. And then, so you have a nice, luxurious cruise. And once you catch up with it, you're just on yeah, a moving vessel. Yep. As and it is, there. yeah. And then you also need to be, um, you also need to then be decelerated or accelerated, depends on your frame of reference, to be able to go then land on the moon when the time comes. So tell me about the one-sixth gravity. How's that working for people? Uh, works great. Um, one-sixth gravity, uh, Artemis is all set up for that. First off, it makes construction a lot simpler because you don't need nearly as much load-bearing um, you don't you don't need as much load bearing on the individual floors within the bu- within the bubbles. Um, the people who live there are very good at moving around in one six G. Tourists are generally not as good. <laughs> uh, surely you've seen the uh, the um, mo- videos from uh, from the Apollo missions where they're kind of stumbling around. Of course, tourists in uh, Artemis aren't wearing bulky spacesuits, so they have that going for them. Uh, stairs. Like stairs can be about half a meter high because it's that easy to go up a riser. So, so uh, 
this sounds like an ideal place to invent new sports. Could be, could be. Space is limited. Um, but there is... Uh, Excuse me, space is space never Space is not limited. Space on true. your freaking colony is limited. Yes, that's true. Just, I'm sorry. Clear. My colony. Yes. yes. Space inside of Artemis, yes. habitable volume is limited. Uh-huh. However, there is um, one of the bubbles. Uh, the bubbles are named after the uh, Apollo astronauts. And Aldrin Bubble has the top four floors of it are just called Aldrin Park. And the, the, it's all glass on top instead of the other instead of the other kind of hole that I was describing. And that's all locally sourced glass because one of the other things that anorthite gives you is silicon. And so it gives you a bunch of silicon and a bunch of oxygen. Mix those together, you get it's glass. It's like O2, yeah. Yes. And so they have that. And so there's a big park there. Theoretically, you could play some games there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Frisbee is right. a challenge. Why? Uh, well, you got two things that are kind of working against you. Well, working for or against. First off, one's six gravity. So mm-hmm. it's not going to go exactly the way you expect, mm-hmm. right? But be second true for off, any, pretty much anything. Pretty much anything. Yeah. But second off, the air is only 21% of Earth's atmospheric pressure. Why? Because it's a pure oxygen environment. Okay, all right. So you need the, just the right amount of oxygen. Just the right amount of oxygen. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. why, why over-design? Why, why go out of your way to make to make it so much harder on the pressure vessels. All right, so this makes... So I guess you've done the math on this. If it is one-fifth air pressure here, mm-hmm. even if it's 100% oxygen, things should not be more flammable. They're the exact same the exact amount of flammable. flammability. Because it's the same partial pressure. of oxygen. Yeah, yeah. Same partial pressure of oxygen, at, of oxygen at <clears throat> Earth's sea level. So right. humans would be perfectly comfortable breathing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. However, it does cause a few other little problems. Like? Uh, like water boils at 61 degrees Celsius, mm. which means coffee tastes like crap because mm. it can't properly brew or steep. So you need to boil coffee in a pressure cooker. You could make it in a pressure cooker yes. or you could go cold brew. Right, yeah. that's a thing. That's a thing. People it pay is. top dollar for that on Earth. People pay, yeah, but Earth people are really stupid. You know, you know this. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so this is a science fiction movie that takes Book. place in the future in space. All right, and the only thing that every science fiction movie ever produced in the history of the universe has in common with one another, with each other, mm-hmm. is that people go into space and then something goes wrong. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's the plot of every single science fiction movie. Okay, fair enough. In space. Okay. Something goes wrong. Something goes wrong. So what goes wrong? Uh, well, this is more of a, a problem uh, having to do with people in that the heist that our hero Jazz gets uh, hired to do doesn't go right, and she um, angers some some pretty powerful and very dangerous people that she was not aware were associated with the company that she was sabotaging. Okay, so this is a this is a this is a it's a crime novel. Crime. <laughs> It is. It absolutely is. It's a heist story. A heist crime novel that happens to be on the moon. Right. I gotcha. Gotcha. So what's the coolest thing to look for in the book? No, let me ask that differently. What's the most inventive thing you came up with for this book? Most inventive Because in, in The Martian, you know, poop potatoes, that was good. Potatoes. <laughs> that was good. That was a good one. Okay. Coming up with that. You're going to get, we're going to get that one. Yeah, yeah, that was good. That's not getting cut. 
Okay. Um, <laughs> so, uh, boy, well, there is a twist at, uh, toward the end of the book, which you would know if you'd read it, you know, um, where... Uh, so <laughs> Some, uh, I'm sorry. The universe is like a big place, and I, you know, can't read everything really, at all times. Grant, you know, broadly speaking, Neil, you spend your whole life in a very, very small part of that universe, right? <laughs> That's true. I mean, but uh, the rest of the universe calls to me. Oh, does it? And you're you're a cog in that turning I'm, universe. Hey, if you take a cog out of any machine, the machine stops working. I'm just saying. No, no, so, you can break some cogs. You can break keep some going. cogs. You have redundant cogs. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's good. <laughs> um, no, there is a there there is a thing at the end that I don't want to give uh, too much away on because of spoilers. But there's some, shall we say, unexpected chemistry that happens at the end that causes a real problem, and I'm kind of proud for having uh, come up with that. I'll tell you about it after we uh, after after we're done taping. Okay. Or maybe I won't. Maybe <laughs> maybe maybe you should read it. um so uh is there is there uh dairy or farm animals or this sort of thing oh no there's nothing like that i mean so it's a complete plant-based life uh well plant-based diet well i mean if you're talking about locally made stuff then yeah anything that's imported from earth uh well it would have to be something that can be frozen or freeze-dried or something like that it's a a seven-day trip yeah Yeah. Yeah. it's a seven-day trip Mm -hmm. so like fresh meat would be challenging right Mm -hmm. but like frozen meat frozen chicken you know eggs can last seven days sure fruits and vegetables yeah get those yeah you can get those Uh and some people would grow them themselves in very small quantities but not at a scale for everyone to eat. It would be a luxury item. And you can forget about, like, uh, fruit tree fruit, at least not local stuff. Now, for me, the allure of going to the moon would be frolicking on the landscape. Okay, well, you get to do that. That's as, as part of the excursion. Experience. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So um, you can go uh, for these excursions. They're EVA masters. Basically, um, going out onto the surface of the moon is... Just sim- to be clear, EVA... Uh, is yeah, NASA's extra. multi-syllable? Yes, uh, <laughs> that's uh, spacewalks, basically. Yes, extra vehicular activity. Moonwalks. Yeah, moonwalks. Yeah, moonwalks, yeah. not the Michael Jackson kind, <laughs> but yeah. Um, and you can you can do this uh, in a similar way that you can go diving when you're on vacation in a nice ocean place oh, where you. you have an EVA master who is out there, kind of keeping track of you and maybe eight other people, and but. He, he or she will be wearing like the big complicated suit with articulated finger, everything kind of like you imagine Apollo, an Apollo suit, but a little more advanced. You will be in what they call a hamster ball. It's right. basically just a big, clear, inflatable, uh, you know, airtight ball that's strong enough that if you roll it over a rock, it won't pop or anything. And you're inside and you wear a backpack that they call a scurry pack, and it uh, regulates all the air on the inside. And you're limited to about two hours on any given EVA because, I did the math on this, that's about as much heat rejection that you can handle by having a big block of ice in a backpack. So basically... So you, you ran the thermodynamics on this. Yeah. Very nice. Thank you. Uh, we, we, <laughs> must, we should remind ourselves mm. of your academic pedigree. I have no degree. <laughs> That's my academic pedigree. Uh, you, you are Doctor Tyson. No, no, no. I am high school graduate. Andy. So, so no. So <laughs> let, well, then, let us not call it academic. But let's call it. Um, uh, let's call it academic passions. Ah, yeah. Yes, yeah. that would include um, science and engineering. Oh yeah, big time. I but, love that. Stuff. There you go. There yeah. you go. 
But I'm, a, I'm what you call a gentleman scientist, not an educated one. <laughs> so uh, I, I have told people that the highest compliment I've ever gotten oh. from anyone at any time was from you. When you said that you were writing The Martian, putting down, you know, laying down some science to track, and you imagined I was looking over your shoulder. Oh, yeah. What if Neil deGrasse Tyson reads this? On the brink of tweeting about <laughs> some mess up in your book. <laughs> yes. And you didn't want that. I didn't want that. You didn't want that. So, um, is, is that, am, am I still there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> am oh, I still there yeah. on your shoulder? Oh, yeah. No, no. I was at, you're, you're still there. You're still there on my shoulder. Uh, in fact, Artemis is even more scientifically accurate than the Martian. Mm. It do, the Martian projected forward some technologies like ion and ion propulsion and... Sure. And I completely ignored the effects of radiation on on my. I just made this magical hab material that would stop radiation. I get offered no explanation. Um, in Artemis, I didn't. I didn't even do that. I said like, all right, you know, <laughs> Artemis has the 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 whole thickness to protect people from radiation. When you go out on an EVA, I calculated. Uh, let's say you're a tourist and you go out on an EVA in one of those hamster balls. You don't have a bunch of like protection from a traditional EVA suit, how much radiation do you get? Turns out over a two-hour EVA during the lunar daytime, you would get about the same amount of radiation as getting a set of dental Mm x-rays. So that's fine. That's the measure. But I checked. And the reason I checked (laughs) is because I knew you'd check. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, know, I get get misunderstood in many of my... I'm there to just enhance people's appreciation of the book or of the yeah, movie. Yeah, sure. And, and I'm, you know, I get characterized as a buzzkill. But no, I'm that's really not, just keeping everybody... Keeping them honest. Just keeping it and I'm not, all. See, I'm, I'm on, I, I guess I'm in some... I don't know if I'm in a minority or whatever. I'm in the opposite camp. I love... I love that. <laughs> I, I, I love what other people apparently consider a buzzkill. I... I I'm like, yeah, you tell him, Neil, because 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 <laughs> uh, it drives me crazy. Like, um, what what really bugs me in a story isn't so much physics inaccuracies. I can accept a warp drive. You know, I got no problem with that. You know, for suspension of disbelief, no problem. What bothers me is inconsistencies. Yep. So if you can go faster than light, I, I remember there's one episode of Star Trek where they're in the you know classic Trek. They're in the Enterprise, right? It can go warp. I forget what classic Trek Enterprise could go warp. Ten ish, at least ten. Nine, yeah, yeah, nine, yeah. something like that. And but then at one point they're like, okay, we need to get from Mercury to Earth, and it like took them a while. And I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute. Okay, no, Mercury is like seven light minutes from Earth, and you're going many many times the speed of light. It's not going to take you a while. <laughs> So yeah, that one that slipped by. Yeah, that yeah, slipped by. Uh, there was the other episode where they wanted to magnify the sound of people's heartbeats to find out where the alien was uh-huh. in the spacecraft. And was it Spock or Kirk said this device magnifies the sound by one to the twelfth power. One to the twelfth power. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Yeah, one times one times one times one, one, one all one the way twelve times. Time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, th- and then uh, I thought, okay, they just misread it. And then there's a similar. In, error in another episode. Yeah. Where it was like one to the ninth power. So somebody just didn't remember Just their. doesn't get that. Yeah. Well, I remember in a book, now that's not fair bagging on Star Trek books because there's so many, but mm-hmm. I remember one of the Star Trek books, um, Kirk says, Scotty, I want every ohm of power to the shields. Ohm of power. Ooh. Yeah. So to which I imagine mm. Scotty saying, well, he wants maximum resistance, so I guess I'll just <laughs> turn him off. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get astronomical on you, see if you thought right. about it. Okay. Okay. Uh, moon, of course, looks the way it does because it doesn't have an atmosphere to protect it from meteoroids. Right. 
how do you protect yourself from meteoroids, especially during meteor showers? Uh, you, you did you think about the, that? I did. Okay. And the odds of any uh, object hitting something the size of Artemis are literally astronomically low. Okay. Good. Good and answer. it would have to be going, and even if it did, if you're talking about like a micrometeorite, mm-hmm. something like that, uh, even if it did, it would have to be going very, very fast, like uh, maybe 50 you know, kilometers a second kind of thing to make it all the way through both holes and the sand. Okay, good answer, good answer. A couple more. Uh, okay. Are there occasions where people get to see total solar eclipses down on Earth? Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, literally every time there's a total solar eclipse will be during a full Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you'd be you'd be seeing that. Unfortunately, a solar eclipse from space is lame. Yeah, yeah, it's fuzzy. It's just like this little kind of blurry, it's a fuzzy, blob. dark thing. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, it's but not you talk about exciting. it in the book. Uh, I don't. That's what. That's what I'm, oh, it doesn't come up in the book. That's what I'm getting at. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm no, astronomical. No one. eclipses in the book. No eclipses in the book. You said you're getting astronomical, not literary. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, full Earth. Yeah. On the moon. Mm-hmm. Is sixty times brighter than full moon on Earth. Yeah, nice, huh? So, did Pretty you have cool. any like evening uh, Earthlight walks? Uh, the Earthlight mattered for uh, some of the EVAs they took. Oh, good, but good. Uh, once again, it only matters when you're outside because inside you get is it, no light. It's sixty times brighter. Just sixty times. I, I that I didn't know. See, there's That's astronomical cool. stuff. That's astronomical. I'm here. My, well, my favorite thing is that Earth is in a fixed position in the sky. Yes. If you well, there's lunar vibration, yeah, so yeah. It, it wobbles, but it's there. And so one of my characters is a devout Muslim, and so he made like a ramp with a prayer rug on it so that he could pray to Mecca because. It, since Earth is in a fixed position, that direction is He never has to change correct. his direction. He doesn't have to change direction. Right. Very good. Very good. Yeah. So, dude. Dude. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, so you're, you're on tour now for the book, and it's, there's an yes. audible version of it. Yes. Uh, narrated by? The, the, the lovely and talented Rosario Dawson, oh, whom you met. Gosh. Oh, yeah. Just to hear her, because in the exhibit that yeah. I attended, uh, it was that audible exhibit mm-hmm. at... at uh, a setup where you got to hear some of the... The Lunar Museum. Yeah, the yeah. Lunar Museum at Comic-Con, New York Comic-Con. I got to hear some of the passages yeah. uh, read by her. It's great. She's really fantastic. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. Couldn't, couldn't ask for a better narrator. Very good. Uh, so, uh, cool. And uh, nowadays, since everyone is stuck in traffic, audible mm-hmm. versions of books matter. Yes. <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> uh, in, in my latest book, I decided I would narrate that because it was like short enough. Well, you've also got, I mean, and I'm not kissing up here, you've got a great voice. I don't hear like, my voice. I don't even think about it. You've got a really good voice. But, but here's how I thought about it, because it's not a long book. But So when I, I said, well, how many days stuck in L.A. traffic would get through this book? I figured mm-hmm. two days. Yeah, <laughs> it was a days, yeah. So that should be the metric, the new there measure metric. of how long a book is. Try, yeah, commute days. Commute commute days. <laughs> so so Andy, congratulations. Thank you Thanks very much. Thanks for coming through town. Thanks for having and, me. And you're based where again? I am based in California near San Jose. San Jose. Okay. Well, thanks for coming uh, uh, to New York. Your first time. My first time. My first visit to New York City. Welcome <laughs> to the universe. Dude, we'll see you again. Thank you. Thank you.